Hey, this is a Hakawadi production. My guest today is kind of a puppet master for the digital age. He's the head of IT at the Bahrain Institute for Political Development. And since we're all talking about Bitcoin and wondering if it's time to jump on the digital currency bandwagon, we thought we'd bring in someone who knows exactly what's happening behind the scenes. He's a frequent guest and moderator at digital banking and tech startup conferences all around the world. Please welcome Fawaz Shakrala. Hey Fawaz, welcome to the men's room. Hi Nadia, thank you for having me, appreciate your time. So everyone's talking about Bitcoin. Um, it's at an all-time high. Should we all be investing in cryptocurrency right now? Uh, that's very difficult to say. Um, it still has a lot of risks, um, I think, and especially now in the last six months. Um, of course, there are advantages to investing in Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency, and there are disadvantages, just like any other uh, investment uh, product. But um, the whole notion that's been exploding in the last six months Um, it really proved that there are some opportunity in investing in Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency, yes. Right. What's your opinion? Do you think there's a chance it might crash like it did back in December 2017? Uh, yes, I think uh, it's a matter of when, not a matter of if. And um, it just it just depends because now there's a lot of like mainstream media and big time media investors And international investors are jumping into, um, in on it, which is really to their advantage. Whenever a big investor buys Bitcoin, he tweets about it, he puts it on social media, and everybody starts buying to it, and mainly because he wants to get the price up just to, protect, just to make sure his investment is protected, right? So at some point, the second those big investors decide to sell all their cryptocurrency, all their Bitcoins, then it's just going to crash really hard. So it just, it just depends. You're talking about Elon, right? Elon Musk at Tesla? Yes, Elon Musk, Tesla, Jay-Z recently as well, um, CEO of Twitter, uh, Jack Dorsey. Yeah, all of them. Yeah. So some people are saying it's a Ponzi scheme. Would you call it that? Um, I wouldn't say it's a Ponzi scheme because nobody controls it. Normally in a Ponzi scheme, there's someone in the background that owns or controls the whole investment product. So when it comes to Bitcoin, nobody really controls it. Nobody um, owns it, right? Or um, in a way that uh, majority, uh, like controlling the Bitcoin, uh, the, the price of Bitcoin is completely determined by supply and demand. So when you have a huge demand, the price goes up. When you have high supply, the price the price go down. Simple as that. And if somebody goes and sells one million bitcoins, it's only natural that the price is going to drop. Uh, it's just it's just the the nature of the market, the supply and demand market. Some critics also say that cryptocurrency has no real value. Um, what's your take on this as an IT guy? You probably understand uh, cryptocurrency better than most regular humans. Does it have value? Um, I think, um, okay, again, so my personal opinion, uh, cryptocurrency today does not have any economic value when it comes to comparison to oil, diamonds, gold, and, uh, you know, like even fiat currencies. Each of those products have economic value. Oil, obviously, it's in products and services and all that diamond and gold because it, it, it actually has economic value because it provides It, is, it contributes to the GDP, it contributes to actual products and services. But Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency do not have economic value. 
because they don't contribute to a local economy. The majority of the, of the public are simply buying it and storing it. And then after whenever, whenever convenient for them, they sell it in the market. So now that we're seeing Bitcoin being accepted as a form of currency, like, for example, when Elon Musk announced that Tesla is going to be accepting Bitcoin payments for you to be able to purchase a Tesla car. So this is now going into the idea of accepting Bitcoin as cash, as a form of cash currency or purchasing currency. But again, it does not have the same power as actual cash or even credit cards or other forms of, uh, of payments. So uh, the whole notion when Bitcoin started out in 2008 by Satoshi, his aim was to make it a form of currency um, where people can actually trade, but that did not actually work. So the other cryptocurrencies are focusing on that side where they actually become. So Ethereum, for example, has a higher chance of becoming a, a, a currency because the way it's designed and, and, and even other cryptos. But now Bitcoin is... I mean, it's just it's just evident in the market. People are buying it and storing it and selling it whenever it's convenient for them. Yeah, so it's more of a short-term view. But what's going on in Bahrain? Um, they established FinTech Bay in 2018, and now you have lots of uh, FinTech companies, including Rain Management, which was just uh, received $6 million in a Series A funding. They're basically a cryptocurrency exchange platform Um, so if you say it has no value, why are tech investors backing this and why is Bahrain spending so much energy promoting it? Okay, so Bahrain, with the whole fintech strategy, they want to be able to leverage or to announce to startups that specialize in fintech, whether they are in crypto or not, to be able to launch their products and services and their startup ventures in Bahrain, because mainly the fintech sector excluding crypto is growing, such as API, um, open banking APIs is a big area right now. And of course, digital transformation, which many companies and banks are going in that direction because of the existing of neobanks or online uh, banking apps that, 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 are, that are very popular in Europe and the US, such as Venmo and uh, Revolut. So a lot of the banks now are shifting that, to that direction. And so the fintech incubation center was designed to allow uh, existing fintech startups in the, let's say, in Europe and US to be able to open their shops in uh, or the ventures in Bahrain and be able to tap into that market. Um, now, of course, with Rain as an exchange, yes, they opened, I think, at the right time when cryptocurrency was still very early in the Middle East. And they did the right approach by obtaining a license from the central bank. Uh, the central bank of Bahrain announced a um, crypto assets license which allows you to trade in cryptocurrency. The aim, the idea is this, that um, crypto, uh, blockchain and RAIN and cryptocurrency has other opportunities besides only in trading public uh, Bitcoin or Ether. So a lot of infrastructure projects, a lot of supply chain projects, a lot of education projects are now using blockchain to launch solutions to improve their products and services not necessarily using crypto. You can launch a blockchain project without also using crypto. So Rain as an exchange, obviously, of course, with the pandemic happening last year, it accelerated the, uh, the public into buying crypto. Everybody's working from home, everybody's staying at home. People start researching online. They start seeing what's happening in the market. So they became much more exposed to cryptocurrency and they started getting into it. Um, now, the, the growth of crypto and Bitcoin has a lot of factors, not only 
um, as a storage of value, com- countries such as Venezuela and others who have who experienced an economic collapse and hyperinflation, they found that the, one of the only or safest way for them to protect their money is to invest in Bitcoin uh, or other crypto because of their fiat currency crashing uh, very hard because of hyperinflation. Uh, inflation. So that's s- something similar happened in Cyprus a few years ago, um, in the Greek crisis as well. So all of these factors combined started increasing the demand for crypto. Yeah, so we know that crypto can protect against inflation, devaluation of currency. But what about its safety from uh, potentially being targeted uh, by uh, um, um, malware or cyber attacks? Isn't isn't then uh, people's money and countries' investments uh, at greater risk from from that side of things? Um, uh, yes and no. Uh, it depends on. So okay. So Bitcoin designed on the uh, blockchain is a technology that makes Bitcoin possible. Blockchain as a technology was designed with security in mind by Satoshi back in two thousand eight. I remember uh, Bitcoin was created during the internet era, so the security is built into it. So blockchain as a technology has a lot of high level security encryptions built into it. So what hackers and and, and attackers are doing are attacking the exchange themselves because the exchange is the, the crypto exchange holds the highest amount of crypto so what what they do is they attack the exchange to be able to figure out the private keys to empty out the wallet addresses uh, of those users or of the exchange so when so there are different ways for you or any person to protect their crypto investments one of them is um, by you by securing your private keys, another way is for you to move. Once you make it, once you buy Bitcoin, you can move it from the exchange into a separate wallet address on the Bitcoin blockchain to make it more secure. The moment you move your Bitcoin units from the exchange into a secure wallet that's directly on the Bitcoin blockchain, it makes it more secure. And there are other forms of uh, storage of, of your wallet private keys, like like hard storage and cold storage. So there are different ways for you to protect yourself to ensure you don't become a victim of, of hacker attacks. And of course, the exchanges themselves, they have to take measures to be able to protect their investments and their funds and their users' fund, crypto funds. So different exchanges could do it differently. So uh, the, the, the recommendation for any person who wants to get into crypto is make sure you sign up with an exchange that is licensed and regulated by a financial services authority uh, because they, uh, those who are regulated, they go through very strict standards of security, which is um, added for them to, they, ha- they have to comply with as a result of the central bank or the financial service authority license requirements. So you work with the government in Bahrain um, and you're, you go to all these meetings around the world. How fast do you see this moving in the Middle East are um, you know people in in the in the industry excited about this? Do you foresee that in the near future they'll be using cryptocurrency and digital uh, technology in banking uh, as an everyday alternative to traditional banking? Um, okay, so definitely the, there's a huge growth in this area, and the past couple of years proved it. And also, on, on top of that, now you have a new cryptocurrency exchange that opened in Bahrain recently. It's called CoinMina. They just got their license about three months ago. And again, they are a cryptocurrency exchange aiming to capitalize on the growth of crypto 
uh, demand. Yeah, I know them. It's uh, Talal Taba. We've had him on the show, actually. Okay, okay, that's right. Um, I think their CEO, her name is Donna Donna Saman, I believe. And uh, so, so generally, um, I mean, even with rain, they make a big, they made a big announcement that they that the traffic on demand for their platform skyrocketed in the last year because of the, during, during the pandemic in 2020, and it was a very very um, high growth year for them in terms of revenues. So the same time, of course, the UAE is witnessing a huge growth in their opening decentralized exchanges in Abu Dhabi as well and in, in Dubai. Uh, there's a few startups there coming up. For example, one of them is called Matrix. So demand is going to be there for sure. Uh, but we have to understand that there's two types of the cryptocurrency. There's the publicly traded cryptos, such as Bitcoin, Ether, Litecoin, and others. And then there's the blockchain part of it for infrastructure projects and others. So one example is, for example, Ethereum. They're using um, Ethereum uh, projects to launch, for example, infrastructure project for the government. So uh, instead of being able to to reduce cost of infrastructure, they can actually launch a infrastructure, like, let's say an airport expansion project for two to three million, and they can actually use tokenized share ownership, which is a blockchain Ethereum-based product, which allows the public to be able to buy and subscribe into it, so that and the government can use the same funds to continue with that project. So a lot of these projects are not happening in the U.S. and U.K. for real estate and others. So I think that's where some of those exchanges can capitalize on, not only on publicly traded cryptocurrencies. Yeah, it sounds like that's the long the long game, which is more incorporating it into these backend systems uh, in a way that that's just helps people do business in a smarter, more seamless way. And then hopefully the the public side of it, the public trading, will eventually have a bit more stability because right now it just feels like a big uh, big poker game, really. Uh, yes, exactly. It is absolutely. It's, it's a. It's like it's just they're they're just betting. People who just buy the crypto, they bet it's going to go up, and they just kind of buy and hold and see. And some people will. There are many day traders who are simply buying and selling Bitcoin on a, on an hourly basis. When they make a 20 percent increase or fifteen percent increase, they they sell it. Even a five percent increase, they sell it because they have the, they're investing large volumes. So when someone puts in a hundred thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin, and then the next day it's 5% up, he makes 5,000, he's going to cash out and then he's going to jump back in depending on which cryptocurrency he sees there's high, um, let's say, fluctuations in it. So, and all this contributes to the supply and demand of crypto. So um, definitely the long-term, as you just said, the long-term is to be able to leverage the crypto assets into token share ownerships, into more sustainable projects, into more infrastructure uh, projects that can really help uh, let's say the economy or different governments to be able to reduce costs and, and so on. A few of the real estate projects now also coming up, uh, let's say even for hotels and others, they want to be able to leverage crypto assets to tokenize their real estate uh, projects for them to be able to reduce their cost um, in building or even expanding into new areas. How does it reduce costs? So, for example, um, Let's say, for example, we take an example. Four Seasons wants to build a new hotel in uh, Mauritius, right? And the cost of uh, building a hotel is like $10 million, for example. What they can do is they can take, they can do the project and say $5 million will be floated into a token share ownership as Ether, as Ethereum. So they say 
the person who, who can purchase, let's say, $1,000 of Ether will own 5% of the project, the hotel being built, and they will receive token sh- um, profits every year from that 50% of the project cost. So when the, when the Four Seasons gets built, the hotel gets built, and then you as a person, when you subscribe, you'll own the 5% and the profit sharing from that hotel when it's ready and operational, you would receive automatically 5% of the profit share of the hotel into your uh, wallet address as Ether. So you, you, make, you make an investment of $1,000 or $2,000, even $3,000, depending on how they structure the uh, token share ownership. So, and, and that's how they can reduce the cost from 10 million of building their actual hotel, and they invest only 5 million into it, and the remaining 5 million gets distributed as token share crypto assets, which the public can be able to buy into it. So these kinds of projects are now happening. In, in, in the UK, there's a company called Smart Lands, which are doing this for um, university buildings. So they, 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 they actually build university buildings and student accommodations for students, and they put it in a public share, token share ownership, which the public can actually subscribe to. And when it's ready, they, the profit gets distributed automatically to those owners. And that's how we're seeing um, projects are happening now in terms of real estate assets and token share ownership. So interesting. Um, do you foresee a time when people might use crypto and digital currency in the same way that they use credit cards anywhere they go in the world because it's a global, a global currency? Um, honestly, it's hard to say. Um, so... It's hard to say, but it, it seems like the, the market is going in that direction. So one of the, one of the crypto exchanges called B, uh, Binance or Binance, I think it's pronounced Binance, uh, they now have a crypto credit card or a crypto card, which let's say you can own, let's say you own one Bitcoin or two Bitcoins in Binance. You now have a card which enables you to make payments directly from your Bitcoin account, it transfers, it, it converts for US dollar using that card in any place or a shop that accepts Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency. So for example, you can go to Starbucks and buy coffee for like 0.00564 Bitcoin using that Binance card, as long as the Starbucks accept that currency, right? And that's what the direction is going towards now. Now, this company is one of the first who did it. There's a, f- a few other companies are going that direction and they're announcing their own Bitcoin or crypto cards as well, that they want to be able to uh, test how the market responds with it. Of course, with Tesla and other companies accepting Bitcoin for car payments or car purchasing, that also opens up the door for you to be able to make that purchase. Of course, there are risks with this approach because Bitcoin price fluctuates every single day, um, almost every hour. So it's hard to be able to determine, okay, if you go tomorrow and make that purchase, at the time of purchase, it's going to cost you X amount. By the time you do the transaction, it might, get, it, it might be a different amount. So they're, they're discussing how they can control that to make sure that the per- person buying, making that buying decision actually makes the correct amount of purchase for that item or for that car. So does that card work only for for uh, Bitcoin or does it work with other currencies as well, the other currencies? Uh, the, Binance, the Binance card supports uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and I think one more currency. I forget which one. 
but it um, it supports uh, three currency, three cryptocurrencies. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see who follows suit after Tesla. If Starbucks might be one of them, um, Amazon. Uh, let's see. It'll be interesting to see. Yes, exactly. It will be very. Um, it's it's going to be very fascinating. I mean, basically, the next couple of years going to be very fascinating and very interesting to see how things are going to change. Whether Bitcoin or crypto will be a new form of cash payment or a new form of payment. Is it going to affect other payment methods or not? Um, in my personal view, I think it's going to be a new additional payment method, which the new generation of people might be more comfortable using than traditional cash or credit cards or fiat currencies exchanges and payments. Yeah, and as that happens, the value will probably steadily go up. So whatever's happening right now might be a little artificial, but in the long run, it's going to be around. And if as as adoption grows, I imagine the value will uh, stabilize as well. Um, Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Nadia. I appreciate you having me. Fawaz Shakrala, keep up the great work. Thank you, Nadia. I appreciate it. That's all for today. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to click that subscribe button so you'll know when a new episode comes out. Bye for now.